fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. As always, welcome into the program. It's always so wonderful to have you along for the ride today. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. What's up? Great to have you today for a post-Monday celebration and just days away from Thanksgiving. That's exciting. I hope you've been working on stretching out that stomach. I hope you've been working on practicing getting that tummy ready, getting those stretchy pants in place. You don't have to take those anti-dieting, anti-whatever pills that they have. By golly, indulge in it, enjoying it at least one time a year. That's all you got to do. One time, maybe two with with Christmas coming up as well, but my golly, we're going to have some fun. Welcome into it. This is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to us, it's always wonderful to have you with us, your millennial general reporting for duty, like we do every single day. You can find us all over our social media at Hoosier Reason, that's H-O-O-S-E-R Reason, on, I don't know, everything, Facebook and the X or Tweety or YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or Our Freedom Book or Truth Social or Getter or Parlor, any of them were there. We may not be active on all of them as much as I'd like to be, but by golly, we are there nonetheless. Coming up on the program, Alex Nestor, bottom of the hour. She is with Parents Defending Education. There's some new stories that have come out that say that the federal government and the Department of Education have been funding uh, gender transition operations or hormone blockers or other issues with the transgender, LGBTQ, ABC, whatever issue without uh, parental consent, without parental knowledge. Yeah, I, yeah, that's not a good one. That's not a good one. So we'll talk about those stories and what to do to expose it and what age groups they're targeting and how we keep our children safe moving forward. So we'll have that conversation with Alex coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, there's a lot that I want to talk about and get to, but I have to start here. Show of hands, I know that you don't, so this is kind of a rhetorical question, but how many of you actually watch MSNBC? Anybody? I know, I, I know, right? <laughs> I know. How many of you pay attention to Joe Scarborough and listen to what he has to say? Again, I know. It's a rhetorical question, but I have to say that because this is kind of a long audio clip, but I have to play this. This is, you want to talk about cranking up the dial to 11. Now, normally, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result, right? We know the definition of what insanity is. Progressives haven't quite mastered that understanding or concept yet because if something doesn't work, you would try a different tactic. If attacking Donald Trump as a racist or as a Nazi or as an authoritarian or as a bigot doesn't work, then maybe you should try a different tactic. But instead of trying a different tactic, they just crank the dial up another level. I mean, we had to go through this garbage when he was running for president during the four years when he actually was president. And ever since then, now that he tried to, quote unquote, steal the election in 2020, as they're trying to go after in the lawsuits now, that they've now dialed it up because they've come to the exception and the realization that Donald Trump will more than likely be the nominee for the Republican Party in 2024. And they can't handle that. In fact, their minds were popped during the presidential election last time 
when he won in 2016. They can't handle, physically, mentally, emotionally, they cannot handle Donald Trump potentially being president again. So they have to take up the dial to another level to the point where, I told you yesterday at the end of the show, that that the emotions of fear, of anger, of hatred, of just the ongoing t- intensity of what those emotions are like, they're so exhausting that I don't know how you can maintain that level of constant anger, hatred, fear, yada, 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 for the next year during the election. And they're doing it with the abortion issue that, you know, Republicans want to take away women's rights and want to put them back in the household in like the 1950s with the white picket fence and the women that have five kids. You know, they Republicans want to do that to you again. That's what they tried to create the scenario of. And that's a fear-driven, paranoia-driven emotion to drive their voters to the polls. And that's a very fatiguing, exhausting emotion, kind of like the music that I listen to. It's the very hard, very heavy, very intense, angry metal music. It's fatiguing. You can only listen to it for a short amount of time before you're exhausted and you have to go listen to something else because you're you're physically, literally tired by the end of listening to that kind of stuff. I don't know how they have such intensity Maybe they built up a tolerance, but I don't know how they have such intensity to be angry with the world all the time. Again, I'm going to play this. It is kind of long. It's like two minutes long, which is hilarious for a morning show like Joe Scarborough, because usually you pitch it to the guest. The guest sitting there waiting. They're interviewing Reverend Al Sharpton. And the Reverend just sitting there on camera waiting for this tirade to be over because of how ridiculous it actually is. But I have to play this whole thing because it's hilarious on how desperate they are to fuel the anger and the hatred and the paranoia about someone like Donald Trump. Yeah, have a responsibility to, to really to tune out the voices of of the haters, of, of the people that are constantly uh, double shilling and triple checking and shilling for him and suggesting Sick. that somehow they're being biased, Sick. bending over backwards, treating him like a normal candidate. He's not a normal candidate. He is running to end American democracy as we know it. He's an authoritarian who a, a court uh, in, in Colorado two days ago ruled that, that he led an insurrection against the United States government. <laughs> He's charged with leading schemes to help overthrow the United States government. So so if they want to frame it uh, that way, that's fine. If, if you want to be fair, if you want to be fair, then you will frame this uh, as uh, Joe Biden being a candidate that supports American democracy and Donald Trump, a candidate who supports a new form of government here, this authoritarian. It's really that simple. And by the way, Reverend Al, when people go, oh, you can't compare him to past Nazi leaders. You can't compare him to this past Nazi leader or that past fascist leader because he hasn't done that. Well, what hasn't he done? He hasn't done the things that the American judicial system did not allow him to do last time, but may very well allow him to do this time or a judicial system that will be ignored by Donald Trump mm-hmm. and ran over by Donald Trump to create the greatest constitutional crisis of our lifetimes. Just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he won't do it when he gets a chance to do it. <laughs> and if he is well. voted into office, then a lot of these people that are talking about literal or figurative or whatever the hell they're saying, you're going to look like idiots. Uh, because he will do, he will get away with, he will imprison, he will execute whoever he's allowed 
to imprison, execute, uh, 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 drive from the country. Just look at his past. It's not really hard to read. Only Again, the only thing that stood between him and the destruction of American democracy was the federal judiciary. No doubt about it. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love that at the end, Al Sharpton. No doubt about it. That's Thank you, Joe Scarborough, for this two-and-a-half-minute tirade against Donald Trump about him executing people of his political opponents. Now, again, what's the definition of a narcissist? Just look in the mirror, and whatever they're trying to accuse somebody else of is usually what they're doing, which is literally the Democrat Party right now trying to keep Donald Trump off of the ballot by uh, trying to throw him in prison, trying to go after him just to make sure he can't be in power again. While they call him an authoritarian, he they, he, he said it. He just said it. That was not chopped up. That was not AI. That was literally two and two minute and 18. I'm sorry, two minute and 27 second rant about how Donald Trump's going to execute his opponents when he gets back into office. Literally physically execute them. That's the level of crazy that we're dealing with right now. I'm telling you, my friends, uh, I know Joe Scarborough is not the brightest crane in the box. He's not the forkiest fork in the drawer. But nonetheless, I mean, I know MSNBC only panders to their small little crowd, and it's a very low-rated show and very low-rated network nonetheless. But they are feeling some insane fear, some insane hatred to try and literally go out and say that Donald Trump would execute opponents if he gets back back into power again. I mean, if that's what's going to drive your people to the polls, then all the power to you. But that right there, that type of rhetoric is what fuels violence in the nation. Because that right there justifies, like we saw in 2016 and for the four years after that when Donald Trump got into office, that right there justifies any type of action. If you attack someone with a MAGA hat, if you attack and make threats to Donald Trump and his family in the White House, if you make threats to anybody on the Republican side, it's justified because you are tyrants, you're authoritarians, you're fascists, you're Nazis, and we don't tolerate that in the nation, and therefore we are justified in doing our actions, and the government has allowed that to continue to happen in the nation. Holy cow, what a bunch of crazy people on the other side. It makes me very fearful of what's moving forward. What's trending today? Speaking of crazy people on the other side, the vast majority of them are the activists on the other side with the young generation, which uh, let's step back for just a second, shall we? In our headlines here, the latest in what's trending. The young generation, the college students, the ones that are maybe just going into college, just coming out of college, that whole younger generation I was part of that myself as well. I totally get it. Not from the progressive side, but from the activist side that they want to change the world around them and they have to find a mission. And when you get so emotionally involved into the project that you're working on, it becomes a core foundation for you. And I've talked about it many times on the show about shaking up that core foundation, shaking up those core values that regardless, Republican side, Democrat side, liberal, conservative, religious, non-religious, whatever, that you have these core beliefs of who you are and the core beliefs of how you view the world around you. And when someone challenges those core views, it's a, you go into either attack mode, because how dare you, or you go into major defense mode, or you just absolutely go crazy. And right now, progressives... And I got to give hat tip to the progressive elites in society. They have done a great job creating a core value uh, understanding of the world to the progressive young generation that America is an evil, horrible, capitalistic, colonialist nation that has done atrocities throughout the world, throughout the history, and that we need to apologize for those so that everything negative that comes back to us or even our partners of like Israel, since they're kind of on the same boat with us, 
that we deserve it and that we don't deserve to exist. That has become a core value principle for the young generation. And it's not right. It's actually very sad. But once that core value is instilled in you, it's very difficult to crack that egg open and to replant a new egg that has some better understanding, some better foundation, and a little bit of a better strength foundation to understand moving forward. You can't do that. So right now, as they're seeing America be torn apart from the inside, largely because that's what their entire goal is, while we're seeing this ongoing conflict with Israel right now, they see it as righting the wrongs in society. They see it as fixing the errors of the past generations. They see it as a correcting, uh, a course correction for humanity as a whole. Because to all of this, this is a good thing and the ends justify the means. What do I mean by that? There's a new poll out, uh, hat tip to Breitbart News for reporting on this one, where near 60% of young generation individuals between the age of 18 to 24 say that both Hamas and Israel both have fairly equal just causes in this ongoing conflict. 60% compared to 40% saying that no moral equivalency. How could a terrorist organization like Hamas be justified in the actions that they're doing? In that 18 to 24 range, 60% say that Hamas has a right to do it, Israel has a right to do it, which is a bad thing, or they fully believe that Hamas has justified rights to be able to take over Israel, diminish it from the river to the sea, whatever they chant. 60% of that generation, because now it's been instilled as a core value that Israel is evil. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen. We always love you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it very much. So we have the young generation that has core values instilled into them. America's evil. Israel's evil. Hamas is doing a justified work of trying to cleanse the area from what was wrongfully taken away from them. They're correcting course, they're fixing the errors of history, and they are righting the wrongs as the radical activists that they are on the other side. Now, I've told you on the progressive side, there are two types of Democrat progressives. There are the bleeding hearts that truly feel like they're doing something productive, that they're all the boots on the ground, they're the ones that are fighting out there, they're the ones chanting with the yard signs, and they're the professional protesters, and they truly think that what they're doing is the right thing. Then you have the elites that are playing them like the fiddle, that are the ones with the puppet strings telling them exactly what to do and feeding this stuff to them because they're so gullible, they're so open to the ideas, and when, you know, they get that message, and by golly, we're here to change the world, and yet they realize, the elites do, the, are, the elites realize that it's not going to solve anything, it's causing the division, and that they get more power at the end of the day. So there's the two types of progressives. The bleeding hearts, uh, depending, can be changed, can have their minds changed at times, unless they're fighting for a core value principle in their life, which they are, it seems like, right now. Which is why the young generation says, you know, they're the ones we just want everybody to get along. I can't believe that there's war and conflict in the world right now. And the reason they say that is because they've never had to experience war and conflict. They've never had to. They've never had their 9-11 yet. It is hard to believe. It blows my mind. I work with a coworker here at the radio station in Wichita, Kansas, that was six months old 
when 9-11 happened. Never experienced it. He does not understand the travesty there. And he tries to make lighthearted jokes about it sometimes, not like the travesty of it, but just uh, the fact that how he doesn't have the emotional connection to said issue. And unfortunately, that means that we're going to have to go through another something like that, God forbid, in order for the next generation to realize that, yes, while we're progressing as humanity, kind of, that there are evil things, evil people, evil ideas in the world, and the evil ideas feed the evil people to be able to do evil things. And right now, there is an organization of Hamas that has literally called for the death of, death of America, death of Jews, death to Israel, and that's what they've said. So having a ceasefire, which it sounds like that is done now, according to Breitbart News as well.com, uh, Israel government has approved their deal for a four-day pause to release 50 hostages. That is signed, sealed, and delivered right now. Israel's on board with it. Whenever that happens, I'm not quite sure. I don't understand why they're doing that because they still have 210 hostages, Hamas does, and they're releasing 50 of them over the four-day course. I know Benjamin Netanyahu is very concerned about releasing those and doing this four-day ceasefire, but politically, he's been kind of backed into a corner. Why? Because there's so much misinformation, there's so much emotion running around, and so many innocent lives dying in Palestine right now, or in Gaza, because of Hamas. Not because of Israel, but because of Hamas, but it doesn't get played portrayed that way in the media, that he's backed into a corner to do a ceasefire. Now, what would a ceasefire do? Let's be honest, it's not going to do a whole lot. It's going to allow the Hamas terrorists to regroup, to restructure themselves, and to still hold on to almost 200 uh, hostages that they're holding on to. So I would have tried to negotiate a little bit higher there, but it gives them leverage while Israel's put in a bad situation. But they have to do that because the ones that are screaming right now, like this young generation where 60% of them believe that Hamas is justified in the actions that they're taking, are the ones that are dictating the realm of politics right now. That young generation. By the way, as that age group continues to go up, that number decreases. The 18 to 24-year-olds have 60% saying that both sides are equally justified in their cause. By 25 to 34, that goes down to 52. 51% between 35 and 44. Half of my generation. How crazy is that? 45 to 54, it's down to 40%. And by you get to the 65-year-olds, it's only at 14%. On the other side... The side that's saying no moral equivalency in the Israel's in the right builds up to 90% of those 65 plus. Why? Because they've seen a thing or two and they know what hate, terrorism, and violence actually looks like. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's just what we do here on this program. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time on our multiple radio stations all over the place. We love you wherever you may be listening. Uh, yeah, we really have some work to do to try and rebrand that millennial generation, by the way, as well. Looking at these numbers, the ones that say that they find Hamas to be equally just in their cause to fight against Israel, that younger generation, 18 to 24 at 60%, my generation at 51%, not a whole lot of difference there. That's a scary thought right there. 
for an organization that calls to the death of the United States, the death of Jews, the death of Israel. I mean, I guess that's totally justified, right, for the side that believes in tolerance and lovey-dovey, hold hands, sing kumbaya, because everybody just needs to get along, right? That's, does that work? I'm, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Terribly sorry. Let's get into what's trending. What do you say? What's trending today? I want to shift gears here just a little bit as uh, bring it back down to the home front as we like to focus a lot on this program about education. And I'm glad we do because since really the COVID-19 pandemic, I've said this many times, that during the COVID-19 pandemic, I think that there was the wake up call of, oh, wow, maybe we should pay attention more to what's going on in our public education system and our children. For too long, we've had, you know, the stresses of life and having to work two jobs and having both parents have to start working. And we stopped, for whatever reason, paying attention to what's going on within school. And the Department of Education, our local school boards, have dominated what our kids do for eight hours out of the day. And that's kind of a scary thought. And now we're finally starting to wake it up. But is it a day late and a dollar short? Especially with this latest movement on confusing our children more so than what they even need to be, which is kind of unfortunate. Talking about some of this and more, really ha- uh, happy to have on the program. She is a fellow with the uh, Parents Defending Education. Excited to have on here Alex Nestor. Alex, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I am living the dream. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, there was a piece that came out from the Daily Wire talking about how federal agencies are, and this has been a threat, and of course the Democrats, the progressives always laugh at us, blow us off, you know, whatever, a bunch of conspiracy theorists and nuts, but we see the paper trail here that federal agencies are helping public education schools around the country fund transitioning of their genders, hormone blockers, other things, uh, in trying to confuse our kids behind our backs without even parental consent. I mean, help me try and understand this, Alex. Is this really going on? Yeah, so I want to be really clear about what we found in this public records request. So there is an Illinois teacher at Waterloo High School who is the advisor of a GSA club. I believe at this school they call it a diversity club, Mm. who we found emails from this advisor that talked about raising money for students who want to wear chest binders but don't have, quote-unquote, support from parents at home. Um, This teacher attended some sort of a quarterly event uh, meetup for GSA club advisors. And at that meetup, she was connected to an official at the Public Health Institute of Metropolitan um, Chicago, which is, uh, you know, public health group. And through that was connected to a AmeriCorps VISTA um, uh, volunteer. And that volunteer reached out to this teacher Um, asking about her request. There's no, uh, we did not find any records showing that this teacher ended up following up with that request. But this volunteer who through AmeriCorps VISTA is, you know, uh, at least receives a federal, you know, a a housing voucher. Um, You know, this is a, a federally funded program, was reaching out to this teacher asking if she needed more support with the chest binder issue um, or with providing free um, period products in all of the public school bathrooms. So that's what happened in this case. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it brings home the fact that this is something that's being endorsed and supported by the faculty, the staff at some of these schools, and this case specifically, but then looking at just cases around the country, this is, and all this, again, this is going on while the parents are just trying to figure out how to handle this on the home front, but it seems like we almost have the administrations working against us in many cases, doesn't it? 
That's exactly right. And we have a tracker on our website, and you can see there that there are over a 1,000 school districts across the United States that have policies that say parents might not be notified if their child decides to live by another gender identity at school. That may include using a different name, different pronouns, or requesting to use a different restroom or locker room facility. And this GSA advisor, we also found emails from her speaking out against a policy that the school board was debating earlier this year in May. And she said she did not believe that parents should be involved in the decision of what um, restroom a child uses at school. This is in an email that she sent um, that we found in the public records request. And that's something that we always come back to. A question that we have increasingly is, you know, why are parents being excluded from these conversations? Why is this being hidden from parents? Um, this is not the school's job. The schools are there to educate children, to teach children, and parents are there to parent children. And it is so, just I, as my colleague Erica said in this piece, so beyond the pale that schools think that they can step in and make these decisions uh, for parents and children. Now, that's the exact same question that I have myself is, yeah, why are they thinking they can make these decisions? And why is that the focal point at school? I mean, like you said, isn't education supposed to be you go there, you learn about math, you learn about reading, writing, you learn about history, you learn about science, you learn about things that can actually make you think and be successful in society later. Why are we focused so much on these issues of the bathroom use? I mean, if if we're up to us and if this were the case and if I were part of the administration for a school, I'd say, screw it, we're going to close all the schools. I'm going to put porta potties all lined up in the back of the school and you can go enjoy those and there's your gender neutral bathrooms uh, because this is so stupid that we've gotten to this level in society, I think. Well, right. And in this district in particular, um, when the district ended up passing this policy to allow uh, children to use the restroom according to their gender identity, allegedly there were lots of students who wanted to then use the nurse's restroom because they felt uncomfortable sharing their restrooms with students of the opposite sex. Then the superintendent apparently came down and said that that would be considered harassment if these children wanted to use a different bathroom that they felt more uh, comfortable and more safe using. And this is just, you know, goes to show how far politics have just enveloped everything in our schools. Um, schools are not focusing on reading, writing, arithmetic. They are focusing on divisive race and gender ideology, ideology and politics, and they're doing it at the expense of our children. When they hear uh, these cases that you guys hear about with, with all this going on, when you hear about these students that say they are uncomfortable, they want to go to different bathrooms because they're uncomfortable with these other individuals being in there, what's the response from the school? Is it just, well, I can't believe that you're not as tolerant, or do they actually uh, pander to them and be like, all right, you know what, if you're uncomfortable, then you can come and use this bathroom because we understand. Like, what's the response here? So sometimes you do have the response of, hey, you can go use the nurse's uh, restroom, which, you know, just kind of raises the question, whose feelings matter more? Why are we saying that one student's feelings exactly. of safety and acceptance and inclusion matter more than another's? Um, but oftentimes you do see kids, we actually saw a case, I believe it was in Vermont, of students who, girls who were called into the principal's office because they questioned why biological males were allowed to use their restroom. And they were told that they were being exclusive and not, you know, treating their peers well. And I mean, this is just absolutely absurd. These women, these young girls, um, 
women want to be safe in their restrooms. And like, it's just, again, beyond the pale that a, a school would place the or prioritize the emotions or feelings of one student over another like that. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, is prioritizing one emotion over the other. We're talking with Alex Nestor. She's with Parenting uh, Parents Defending Education. You can find them online at defendinged.org, uh, defendinged.org. Alex, what what age groups are we primarily talking about here? Is it high school? Is it even getting down into middle school? Because I know that, you know, when when students start having their uh, changes in their body, that that's a very emotional, very vulnerable time. And that would be, I guess, if you want to try and make them more confused and more angry, that would be the time to try to target them. Are we seeing that happen in the schools right now? So in terms of these GSA clubs, which for your listeners, uh, they used to stand for Gay Straight Alliance clubs. Now, uh, Gender Sexuality Alliance Club. Um, we're seeing these being offered to all, I mean, kids of all ages. In our report, it notes that this is offered to kids as young as preschool in some schools in some districts. Um, you know, they can be offered at high school, kindergarten, or the elementary school level. And again, I just want to point out, I think something that's extra concerning about these clubs, I mean, look, sometimes they are just social clubs for kids. Um, parents know about it. Parents know that their kids are going. Sure. But you'll see on our report that there are a lot of districts that have these CFA clubs that also have policies that say parents may not know if their kid is going by a different name or pronoun at school. And that is alarming. Well, that's a, that is alarming. We've seen the cases coming out of California where they've tried to say that during a separation in the family that the child would be prioritized to go with one parent and get exclusive uh, uh, parenting consent over the child if one of the other parents chose not to accept the gender-affirming care or the gender that they chose to be with, that they would go with the other parent, and the courts actually would decide on something like that. Like, that's that's the level that we're at here, and that's kind of insane to me. Yeah, I mean, look, again, the, the parental rights uh, transparency and all of that, that is an issue that we have been fighting now um, for for years, and it's unfortunate that we're getting to this point, but it is just really unbelievable that you have 10.7 million American children that attend schools with these policies. It just speaks to the importance of, uh, you know, parental, like our parents getting involved, asking questions, going to school board meetings, filing public records requests. That is so important for parents to actively, you know, get involved, ask the questions, and know what's going on in their kids' schools. Yeah. Because, unfortunately, we have had cases where, uh, you know, parents come to us after something has already happened. So it's really important for parents to uh, get ahead of the ball on this one, as yeah. important as that is to say. Um, I tell you what, uh, uh, yeah, keep the pressure on them, Alex. Hold on the line. we got to take a hard break here. We'll, do, we'll continue this when we come back right around the corner here this for The Voice of Reason. Stay the here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes here on the program. Love this conversation. Great stuff. And ways that we can try and save the youth of America for the next generation because that's what we need to focus on. We're hanging out with Alex Nestor with Parents at Defending Education. You can find them online, defendinged.org. And Alex, I love the conversation. I appreciate all your time that you're giving us here. How do we solve this? You you had mentioned that going into the break of getting involved with the school boards and trying to be involved in your kids' lives and actually having the conversation with them 
uh, keeping the pressure on the school districts themselves because if they go down this road, we need to be on top of it. But it sounds like this is what they've been trying to do behind the scenes for a long time to set this up to where it's just integrated in the school system is kind of a norm, isn't it? I think that's true. And there's a lot of things that parents can do to fight back against this. Um, you know, our three pillars, we say, are empower, expose, and engage. So on our website, there's lots of information to empower parents so parents can know their rights under things like FERPA and PPRA. Um, expose, it's really important for parents to, you know, if they can file a public records request, if not, send us a tip um, on our tip line on our website, and we can do some digging, do some research to figure out what's going on in your school um, and engage. And engagement's going to look different for different people. Some people can run for school board. Um, you know, others might be able to just engage in their local parent group or what have you. So whatever that looks like for parents, it's really important to, you know, be engaged in their school and also just, you know, know your rights, know uh, what uh, rights that you have under federal and your state laws. Yeah. How important is it in the last couple of minutes here? How important is it for parents to be involved with their child's lives? And I know that as they go into the middle school time, they're changing, they're rebelling, no longer is daddy the hero, but now he's the biggest jerk in the world because he won't let me go to the party kind of thing. But to keep that line of communication open and to really try and be that parent at that time, how important is are those conversations to be prepared for this scenario in case something like this happens when they are introduced to someone trying to say that you're actually confused and you're really the opposite gender. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's very important for parents to be involved in kids' lives, and that's what's so terrible about these exclusion policies. We know that kids perform better at school and in life when their parents are involved and engaged in their education, um, in, in their life in general, in their sports, in their activities, what have you. We know that's when kids thrive and succeed, and for schools to continue to push parents out is only going to harm you know, those families and those kids. So it's really important, especially in the age of social media and TikTok and Instagram Reels and Snapchat and what have you, for parents to just know, know what your kid is, you know, watching, doing, um, you know, what they can and may be exposed to online um, or at school. It is re- it's unfortunate that we have to take these extra steps, especially when it comes to what's going on inside schools. But it is, you know, increasingly important for parents to be involved. Yeah, that is very true. Here in Kansas, where I'm at, we've recently passed our Women's Bill of Rights that disallows the boys to be in the in the bathrooms or in the locker rooms or to participate in the girls' sports. I know other states are trying to do the same thing, but real quickly, in about a minute or so, uh, do you know what states are working on some of this? Because obviously, you know, there's still a lot of states allowing boys to participate in the sports and go into the locker rooms. So uh, do you think this is a top priority for a lot of states and for you guys to focus on going into the next year? Yeah, it is. I believe right now there are about 20 states that say that uh, or that separate sports by, um, you know, biological males and biological females, which is so important, especially for sports like lacrosse for example um those are almost like two separate sports for men and women the equipment they use is so different so there are states that are taking this up and i know more are definitely working on doing that too that's good news and good news we got a lot of work to do but at least we're on it And like we said before i mean being aware of this is the first step because we can start addressing some of these issues but man i can't believe that it's gotten out of hand and i never thought i never thought alex that we would get to the point to where the conversation is debating on whether someone is a boy or a girl. I never thought that humanity would get to that level. (laughs) 
Well, yes, and for children too, and for parents to be kept out of the conversation again is to me the most egregious part of this. Yeah, that is very true. It's Alex Nestor, Parents Defending Education. Go check them out. Great fight to bring able to bring uh, the fight back down to the home front. Find them online, defendinged.org. Again, defendinged.org. Alex, we're out of time, my friend. Keep up the fight. I appreciate it very much. We got to get you back on the show again real soon. I would love that. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Likewise, we'll do it again here real soon. It's the ongoing battle. I know that we're almost through the first semester of this year, or the first half, I guess, uh, right around the corner. So this is something that we get to focus on again coming into the spring. And then by next year, maybe by some of the legislatures across the nation, by this time next year for the fall, we'll have a little bit different laws intact. Thanks again to Alex Nestor. We'll have her back on the show again soon. That does it for us today. Back at it again tomorrow. One more program before your Thanksgiving Turkey Day. We'll have some fun then. Until then, always be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. Prepare your talking points for the Thanksgiving holiday extravaganzas. We'll do some of that and have some fun with it tomorrow. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.